Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. There's over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Welcome to Net Zero, a show where we focus on information, insights, and inspiration in sustainability and transportation. I'm your host, Danny Gomez, and today I'm joined by Dan Lewis, co-founder and CEO of Convoy. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Danny. Uh, it's awesome to be on here with you. So I want to jump in real quick. We've got a lot to cover in a little bit of amount of time. Um, I'd like to go back a little bit. You know, you've got a really interesting background. Um, you know, you graduated from Yale with a degree in cognitive science. Um, you have a pretty well-studied resume. You've worked at Amazon, um, Google, Microsoft. And then you decided to jump into transportation. Could you take us back a little bit on that journey of, you know, your just personal story of like kind of where you where you came from and how you got to that decision to jump in and start your own company? Yeah, so I grew up in Seattle. I'm actually one of five kids. Um, at the time, I would have never thought that it would have uh, impacted future roles that I had. But growing up, my job was to work for our family office supply distribution company. So that was everything from doing accounts receivable, calling companies and saying, you guys got to pay us, or packing trucks and building furniture and then doing delivery routes of straight vans around the Seattle area, delivering stuff to companies. Um, fast forward a bunch. I went to, as you mentioned, I went to Yale. That was extremely fortuitous, a great experience in my life. And I had you know left Washington, the West Coast for the first time lived uh, pretty far away, went to Chile actually, um, spent my junior year abroad. And re the reason that was impactful is that that ended up leading me to go later work, uh, do some work with the Panama Canal in Mexico and Panama. And then I ultimately went and worked for an airline in Spain on a project um, doing a lot of maintenance repair and overhaul work and parts distribution work. And so little pieces of supply chain exposure and experience that I picked up along the way uh, then got into tech when I moved back to Seattle, where I'm from, and had a great experience learning about how to build software, consumer products, did a ton of work in machine learning, um, artificial intelligence, and that was what led me to Google. The company I was with was acquired. And then ultimately was at Amazon. And at the time, and you know, for a while, Amazon had been differentiating itself through supply chain innovation and through rapid delivery. And you know, consumers were getting used to this idea of very fast delivery, and it was changing behavior. Instead of buying, you know, if you wait till there's one to two days left and you're a subscriber of Amazon Prime, you're probably gonna buy there because you know it's gonna be delivered in one to two days. So you can procrastinate and be lazy and order from your house and get it in a day. And that was kind of a pretty remarkable change. A lot of companies started to take notice of that and respond. I was at Amazon, I saw an opportunity to go and, and impact the supply chain. I felt like there was a big opportunity there. I didn't realize how how much opportunity there was to create efficiencies and reduce waste. And so I quit Amazon in early 2015 to go explore some ideas. And I spent 
Uh, and those ideas were going to be in transportation and supply chain because there were a lot of different, some of the investors I'd spoken with, some of the opportunities I'd seen at Amazon, other companies, just seemed like that space was really um, exploding. I looked around and there were so many companies doing last mile delivery or you know reverse logistics or things like that and, and parcel delivery. But there weren't a lot of companies focusing on heavy haul freight or the middle mile. And after a bunch of conversations, I realized that you know that was an area that had extreme fragmentation. It was pretty much off the grid at, the, at that point, pretty opaque from a data perspective. And you know there were two big sustainability opportunities which were directly tied to the business model. One was reducing waste from an environmental perspective, reducing carbon emissions, reducing you know, time sitting there burning fuel at a, at a facility or empty miles being driven. And the other one was related to the livelihood of truck drivers and kind of essential workers, which in 2020, I think the supply chain was highlighted as being so incredibly critical and important for this mm-hmm. country. And so many people recognized how you know, necessary it is for everything from all the PPE to the vaccines to just food when you're living at your home and not being able to go out having someone bring that to you um, or your local grocery store. And so even before that, you know, we were thinking about, man, truck drivers do so much incredibly difficult work. We need to create a system where they get treated really fairly and respectfully um, and so they can thrive. And those are two areas, the sustainability and the kind of taking care of truck drivers that are directly tied to our business model and if we're successful in doing those two things, we will create an extremely valuable business at the same time. That's interesting because there's a lot of companies who are adding in sustainability now, maybe because they want to or because they feel like they're being forced to. But for you, it was part of the, the beginning. Was it part of your, and when you were going out and finding investors and you know that, that value rung true to them, it sounds like, right? Yeah. The mission we created, the, the stated mission of the company is, to transport the world with endless capacity and zero waste. And that sort of has been the idea of what we can go do um, since we started. And every shipper I ever talked to says, look, we would love to have trucks when we need them, where we need them, efficiently, reliably, at a fair price with transparency and visibility. And so, in order to get that, they, they anyway, they, there's a lot of waste that goes in the system to get that level of service. So how do you give that level of service while also reducing waste at the same time? All right. So let's just for a moment, for those who may not be super familiar with Convoy, can you just very quickly describe exactly what Convoy does and the value it provides? Yeah, we make T-shirts, <laughs> um, sustainable T-shirts. Uh, no, yeah, Convoy uh, provides trucking services, full truckload services. So, you know, there are um, and we work on one side with small owner operators, small carriers that use the Convoy platform to find work and complete work. And then on the other side of our, of our marketplace are companies that ship truckload freight. And so we're moving truckload freight all across the United States, do drive van refrigerated. We do, you know, live load unload. We do, we have a, a trailer pool, a universal trailer pool, really innovative trailer pool concept we built for, you know, um, preloaded trailers and drop and hook work. Uh, we, and, and sort of expanding on that, we've now built some TMS offerings for small, small shippers. And we have a bunch of services we, we provide for carriers along the way that are part of our network. But ultimately, we're providing trucking services for shippers and work for small carriers and owner-operators. That's very helpful. And you very intent, intentfully say that you are a uh, freight network, that not a digital freight broker. Um, I assume that, that's, that those choice of words are meaningful to you in your business. Yeah, that is intentional. And that's something we, we started talking about a year or two ago. And, you know, we, the, the idea is that the digital freight broker concept which in part, you know, applies to what we do, 
but it tends to relate to building technologies and tools that allow brokers to be more efficient. Right. Um, and what we're building is a system where each of these different trucking companies and truck drivers is plugged into our system and we have a requirement to use our technology. And so we have really high use and adoption of technology across the board. And so we can look, we do a lot of network planning. We think about how do we then take this freight and make it optimal? How do we find the optimal round trip? How do we find, you know, automated, we automate backhaul recommendations to re reduce empty miles. And, you know, we think a lot about network planning. We have a trailer pool. We kind of have optimized around the system. And we think really long-term with our customers. And so it's about using technology to kind of create a more efficient system of appointment times, trailer utilization, you know, rolling assets and knowing where they are at what point and kind of bringing that all together using technology and machine learning to optimize um, while still providing all the customer support along the way. That's that's a requirement. But behind the scenes, we're doing a lot of work, to try to reduce waste and optimize systems. And that's more of a network play when you think about the, the level of planning that goes into that. Sure. And in everything you're saying, you hear efficiency and reducing waste, and even as you're forming the company, um, obviously a lot has changed in the recent years, whether it was because of COVID and people are more aware, if there's just more talk about ESG and sustainability. Um, it's been part of your DNA since you started. You did make a change, um, and you had Jennifer Wong come up as the head of sustainability. Did something change? I mean. Surely it was there was more attention around it, but for you know I think helpful for people who are listening is one what brought you to that decision point to to bring it to the next level, and as people look internally, whether it's your peers um, or other people in the industry, um, when they're when they're looking to source or to find talent internally or externally to fill these types of roles, you know it's a fairly new discipline, right? Um, how do you yeah. how do you go about identifying the right people internally to, to help you lead on this charge? Yeah, it is a relatively new discipline. I remember a friend of mine in Seattle became he became like the sustainability director or manager at Brooks Sports maybe eight nine years ago. His name Dave Kemp, and I remember thinking, oh, that's a job. That's interesting. That's <laughs> kind of cool. Like it's a job. You can be the sustainability person. And Brooks has been a leader in this area. Um, and that was the first time I'd ever even heard about that job. Uh, so I think the reason we decided that it was worth it is we were getting to the point where there were so many opportunities to not only do the right thing internally and, and focus on sustainability where how we run our business, but we were getting to the point where we had the data and the information to start to talk about it a lot more in highly relevant ways with our customers, help them see opportunities to build sustainability into their business, help talk to truck drivers and about how they can actually improve their earnings by acting more sustainably and partnering with us on these initiatives and kind of the scope of impact we could have was significant. And so it made a lot of sense to have somebody come in and full time kind of run that and tell that story and, and drive those actions. And, you know, before that we were doing a lot of these things and it was part of the company and everybody kind of had a hand in doing it. But one thing I've just learned as a first time CEO is as you get bigger, everyone chipping in and doing something is still great. But it, you can you can actually organize that energy so much better when you have somebody kind of like driving it directly and mm -hmm. being the single threaded owner, as we talk about for that particular uh, thing. So Jennifer uh, graciously stepped up and she, she's super passionate about it. And she took on you know a role and she's done an incredible job of, of helping us achieve this. And the other thing I think I've learned that's worth sharing is it's never too early to start talking about it and measuring your sustainability outcomes. 
one of the things that I was nervous about was when we first started, we actually had internally for Convoy, along with our revenue goals, our shipment growth goals, our margin goals, we had a reduce empty miles goal. That was a stated company goal well before we ever talked about it publicly. And we were really bad at measuring it. We, we didn't even know how to measure it exactly. We just said, look, we're going to make this goal for the company. We're going to yeah. talk about it every month. We're going to figure out how to measure it. And so we tried to measure it and we got better and better. We tested this and did this. And several years later, we were at the point where we actually knew how to measure it well enough. And we built the tools and systems to measure it well enough that we could actually release our sustainability report and talk about it. But that wasn't just overnight. And I think sometimes people think, I got to wait till I know exactly how to measure this until I have all the perfect data and start doing it. And you just wait. But actually, the way you get to that data is by imperfectly measuring it, doing mm -hmm. it, you know, maybe in a way that you'd be embarrassed to share. But that causes you to learn a bunch and figure it out. And then people think about it and they're like, oh, I could do this thing. And then they have this idea and it, it, it goes forward. So it's never too early to start formalizing it within your company and talking about it and measuring it, even if it's imperfect. I think that's really important. Yeah, I think that what you say internally is probably the good first step, right? Because I think what we see is that there's a tendency for people to get out in the public. They want to make a headline and they'll make commitments to being net zero by a date or reducing or being 100% EV by a certain date. Um, you know, I was talking to someone recently, a consultant who was saying, like, we went into a company and said, hey, look, that wasn't the best approach to sustainability. There was other things that you could have been doing. And I think in reading your sustainability report, I, what I find um, really inspiring is the data that you have behind the things you're achieving. And you guys have been hyper-focused on efficiency um, and empty miles. Talk a little bit about what you're doing there. And, and, and I think extending, if you even on your website, right, it's not just talking your own book. It's a little bit of a challenge of saying, hey, look, if we did this as an industry, this are the types of savings we would see. Talk a little about the, the empty mile focus for you. Yeah, and, and, and that obviously directly relates to less fuel being burned per job. And, and then it's empty miles and it's appointment times, like having the right time at the facility so you don't sit there and, and idle and burn fuel too. So we look at, at all the ways that, that uh, unnecessary fuel is burnt. Um, we estimate that about, uh, and looking at some of the Bureau of Transportation Statistics and things like that, uh, some of these sources, about 175 billion miles are driven uh, truckload every year. About 30, 35% is empty. And we, in our network, it's 35, I think 36 on the kind of the, the medium and small carriers. And so we estimate about 61 billion of those miles are driven empty. And that actually results in about 87 million metric tons of carbon released in the atmosphere every year. We've run a bunch of experiments to look at what happens to empty miles when carriers adopt our automated reloads program and systems that we build that try to create kind of perpetual optimized trips and, and reduce empty miles between jobs. And we found that when we do that correctly, we can get those carriers down to about 19%, 18, 19% empty miles, um, which is really remarkable for a, a pretty fragmented system of you know, smaller companies. This considers all of their miles. And so if we could apply that system to the entire you know, community of trucking and truck drivers, you could reduce 47 million metric tons of carbon which is equivalent to over 10 million, you know, the emissions from 10 million passenger cars every year. And so, you know, that's the top level. And those are, yeah. those are big numbers and that's the high level. There's probably a million details underneath that we need to figure out. But that helps us set the goalpost or it's kind of the opportunity size. And it, it makes it really clear that we, and as an industry, should be thinking about investing in this. And what's, what's great is if we do that, we also reduce a bunch of costs in the system 
truck drivers spend less money on fuel. They're spending fewer hours getting their jobs done because they have fewer empty, empty mile legs. And the industry actually runs more efficiently and things probably get there faster too. So it's a win-win. And, and we're really fortunate that, you know, in trucking, it's a very clear win-win. We can go after that with all of our energy. I think, you know, that messaging that you talked about earlier and kind of marrying these, you know, you're talking to owner operators and you're trying to make them run as efficiently as possible. I think there is this, um, I don't know, what perception that you have to sacrifice revenue if you're going to achieve some sort of sustainability goals, if you're going to be operating in a more sustainable way. How do you guys message that? I mean, you're not, you're providing data. You obviously have the, the information to show them, but I'm sure there's a healthy amount of skepticism that comes with that that type of messaging. And how do you get through through those walls? Yeah. Well, first off, we've done some surveys and 85% of the shippers that we talk to say that sustainability is really important to them as an organization. And most of the Fortune 500 companies we work with have sustainability goals, for example. And so, you know, there are some challenges around motivation, but but actually at this point, I think I think we've turned a corner a bit where a lot of companies know this is important and they can see how when they act more responsibly and sustainably, they run their businesses more efficiently. They're smarter about the procurement decisions they make and their customers and partners are happy to, happier to work with them. And so just first and foremost, I think that, you know, people really do want this now and, they, and they're caring about it. And so what we're trying to figure out is how do we give them the tools, data and information, you know, and pathway to do that on the transportation trucking side mm-hmm. and then to measure it. And we, so we give all of our customers a sustainability report that shows the impact that they're having when they work with Convoy and using our various programs. And I think that's that's either all the way rolled out or is rolling out. Um, and then, you know, if, if there, are, there are questions and concerns, I think it really just comes down to, again, what do their customers care about? Like ultimately they're serving their customers. Right. And so their customers care about sustainability. And, and it's generally better for their business if they partner with us on reducing waste in the system because that can actually reduce their costs. And so they can lower their costs by, by working on programs like this. So I feel like in, in the logistics and supply chain space, we have a big responsibility in the greater scheme of things to do our part and to, to push pretty hard here because it actually accrues very nicely to the business as well. It's very, it's very complimentary and so aligned, I mean. And so I think we should be doing everything we can in this space to reduce uh, waste and, and build efficiency into the system. It's interesting that what you guys have highlighted, and this is a question I get all the time, what can we do now, right? And there's a lot of focus on EV and, you know, there's, with EV, there's there's the demand side, which is picking up, and then there's going to be constraints on the supply and the infrastructure side. Um, and people want to know what they can do now. So I think it's very good that you guys have highlighted a problem in the industry that can be addressed now through technology, but not in a way that is... Um, overly burdensome from an investment perspective, right? This is opportunities that are out there. And it sounds like there doesn't need to be a huge investment made, whether it's working with you or even doing it within their own fleet to make things more efficient. Um, I'd like to understand two things. One, how do we, how do you scale that model out beyond just convoy, right? How do you push that into um, across the industry? And then two, what other things are you guys thinking about that are around the corner that may be a little bit heavier handed in terms of investments in, te- in technology. Yeah. Um, so I think everything you said is kind of, kind of makes a lot of sense, like in where things are going. And, and I, I agree. Electric vehicles are 
are super impressive and are going to make a really big impact here. And it's going to take some time to roll out the infrastructure and, and the equipment, obviously, to do that. Um, so that's that's quite a ways out, I think, in terms of the turnover of the industry on that and that being ready. So things people can do now. Um, one I would say is when you're working with your providers, ask them to provide you with information and data or recommendations for how you can be more sustainable. The people that are providing logistics services or transportation services for you are thinking all the time about how they can reduce waste for their own business because it's generally better for them. Ask them what you can do to actually make their lives easier and help them reduce waste. Um, you know, come and talk to Convoy. We have, we have Jennifer, we have other people here who have a lot of experience in thinking about sustainable networks and programs. And we're happy to talk to companies about how they can do that themselves, like to give advice, to kind of look at people's programs. And we learn a lot by doing that as well. So I think asking for data and, and, and feedback, and then, you know, we could, we'd be happy to talk to people about the truckload side. Um, I think those are both really important. And I would also say that, you know, internally, it's just something to try to force yourself to measure. And I say that, like I say, force yourself as in like, it might not be obvious how to do it, but you know, present that, say like, let's, let's make a goal as a company that in the next quarter or in the next two quarters, we're going to come up with a metric we're going to use to, to measure the most direct way that we're impacting sustainability. Let's track it. We'll do the best we can to track it and we'll get better and better over time. And assume you're not going to be perfect at the beginning. I think that's a really good way to get started as well. And I, I think that I'm, you know, that's certainly right. If any companies work with Convoy or looking at truckload, you know, please come ask us, like, how could we think about our, our warehouse operations? How can we think about our appointment times? How can we think about when we tender freight and kind of the, the network that we run and how we optimize maybe live versus drop other things? There's a lot of room for improvement and efficiency on those things that reduces waste. And that's kind of the bread and butter of what we're doing. In, aside from EV, what are some other near-term technologies that you think? Is it alternative fuels? Is there something in the medium term that we should be looking at as well? I think, so I think different fuels and leading to EV in the future, I think is part of this. Um, I know there are other systems, there have been systems around, um, you know, Peloton for how different trucks can draft down the highway together and, you know, reduce, um, reduce fuel burn. I think that, but I think honestly, the most impactful thing that we're going to see over the next five to 10 years till some of these alternative systems are there is simply reducing the number of miles a truck has to run to do the same amount of work and reducing the time the truck has to run uh, at facilities um, idling. And right. I think that, or, or kind of waiting for an appointment, like inefficient appointment times that cause the truck to lose hours or to spend a lot of time waiting. Uh, and another one that we, we've been looking into is, you know, at truck stops, are there more efficient ways to provide power to the trucks versus them, you know, running and being idle or, or in different places? Um, so there's some other ways we could think about getting power to that vehicle when it doesn't need to run and burn fuel to achieve that power. But I think, honestly, it's about efficiency. That's, you know, 10x most of the other opportunities in the next few years. What do you hope to see? I mean, you mentioned it a second ago. You know, you're happy to talk. You're happy to share your ideas this is a unique problem, right? It's not one that Convoy can solve on its own. Um, we're better together than alone um, mentality, right? So how do we, as an industry, come together? What do you want to see? Is it um, associations? You know, there's obviously some lobbying efforts, but just, you know, in general, how how can we come together to solve this? I think that, a, so there are a few things. One is, um, when you're building a platform that can really optimize these things, finding ways to open it up and allow other people to 
plan their system using some of these best-in-class platforms. We're working on some things like that, and we think that that can be really valuable because there are a lot of companies that don't know how to build this stuff and don't have mm-hmm. the don't have to engineers, technologists, data scientists on staff. The companies that are fortunate enough to have that should build these solutions and, and kind of allow other people to plug into those platforms. So that's one thing that we believe in kind of open platforms that are uh, that allow companies to do that. And we're going to be doing some work there in the future. Um, I think another one is simply uh, you mentioned, you know, maybe some of these companies setting goals against it or going and getting input. I think that one thing we can do, and I've mentioned this several times now um, to share, is to actually, uh, as, as an industry, to actually create standards around reporting on efficiency of networks. So our customers think a lot about, you know, on-time performance and, you know, are we, uh, you know, are we fulfilling all the jobs that we are going to do in a given lane and are we meeting, how much of their needs are we meeting, et cetera. Um, There are other things around how you actually measure the efficiency of the system and creating incentives so that if we operate more efficiently, our customers and our customers partner with us to do that, they can save money. So advancing the way we do rates and pricing to really incorporate efficiency would be, I think, a win-win. And it would right now, you know, companies that are super efficient don't always realize all those benefits through lower prices and companies that are very inefficient Mm -hmm. don't realize all those costs. They're often shared across all the providers. I would love to find a way to, uh, you know, connect those efforts with the ultimate price that somebody's paying and, and give the benefits to companies that are creating efficiencies in the system for everybody. So like that actually would drive it because, you know, money talks and money drives behavior. And so if we could find sure. ways to align those better, I think behaviors would change to align with this better as well. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Market, everyone loves market-based um, activity. So that would be great to see that. And we've talked about that here as Freightways as well. You know, how does how does emissions show up in pricing? And I think that you're right. I think that probably is around the corner. Um, at Convoy, you guys are working with shippers and carriers. How does the environment fit into that picture? Yeah, it's a great question. So shippers and carriers are the customers you know that, that operate as part of our marketplace. I honestly think the environment is also a customer, and you know, I'm not just saying that. It's 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 a uh, it pays us. It pays us in a bunch of different ways. Um, we've seen extreme weather pick up across the country. Not having extreme weather is really good for the supply chain, and so. If you think about, you know, the environment having a stable like system and a stable rhythm um, and operating within like normal bounds, that's really good for the ability for trucks to, to drive. Not if you have fewer hurricanes, fewer extreme winter storms, fewer extreme heat waves. And so I think the environment pays us that way. And, and honestly, like we're breathing fresh, clean air right now. And, you know, we can operate our businesses with all these benefits that come from the environment, the food it produces, you know, all the materials that it produces for us, the water that we get to drink so many things, I, I think it's kind of, you know, it's, it's only, it's pragmatic to think that the environment is a customer of ours and that it's paying us every day in so many different ways. And we need to do our part to make sure that, that we're taking care of it along the way. Dan, this has been super great. Uh, I would love to have you back. I mean, we just kind of scratched the surface. You guys are doing amazing things. Um, for those who aren't following you, they should. Um, you guys are putting out a lot of great content, your sustainability report, as well as the surveys that you're doing. So I recommend people to get plugged in. I really appreciate your time today, and hopefully we can have you back. Absolutely. Love to come back sometime. Thanks, Danny. Thank you. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. 
the net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're going to have to take into consideration CO2 emissions.